1: that the that what what's flat earth is doing that is positive that people uh, glom onto and, and get excited about is that it's kind of a shorthand way of saying fuck you and all your lies fuck you and all your lying fucking know it all bullshit in your face you know what I think the earth is flat prove me wrong And in the process of proving me wrong, I'll spin you around in circles chasing your tail and you'll look like an idiot. And yeah, I look like an idiot, but who cares? You already think I'm an idiot. That is the purpose of Flat Earth. The purpose of Flat Earth is the positive purpose. is challenge everything. Don't call all these know-it-all bullshitters on their crap. I get that. I love that. I love Flat Earth. Why are we? Why are we conditioned to think that we need that intermediary? Why do we say, "Well, I, 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 I still gotta hold on to that stuff because I love my dad and I love my mom and they always believed it, and Grandpa and Grandma always believed it too"? And you know, those are great people, and I grew up with them, and they wouldn't—they must have they must know something because they're all telling me that my experience in the forest that no I shouldn't trust that I should only trust what's in their book so I'm gonna go with them you know because they're my folks fuck them fuck their beliefs don't respect their beliefs fuck you respect your experience in the woods with the divine Ladies and gentlemen, welcome
0: to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer, and on today's episode, we have a close friend of mine, someone who I've known for the past year, someone who's helped me out in many, many ways. He is a host of his own podcast. He's been the host of his podcast for more than a decade now, since 2007. His name is Alex Sikaris. You might know him as the host of the Skeptico podcast. He's been on many different podcasts. He was actually a guest on Tinfoil Hat before I was the booker, and he mentioned me in his episode of Tinfoil Hat. Of course, I was the episode only a couple before his. Um, If you haven't heard, go back and listen, episode 300. 77 with tinfoil hat that's yours truly and alex i think was on for episode 381 or something like that and he mentioned me and i reached out to him i said hey i'd love to have you on my show i love some of the points you're making and thus formed a friendship and he was on my show for episode 7 and now he's back here for episode 97 and in the meantime together We started Alt Media United, which, if you're not familiar, is a website where you can find this podcast as well as a bunch of others that you might enjoy if you're listening to this podcast. I remember when I was uh, newer into this, I had a hard time finding other conspiracy podcasts, and through great podcasts like The Higher Side Chats and Tinfoil Hat, I was able to find other podcasters and other podcasts. Hosts and guests, and everything in between. The Grimerica Show is someone who I cannot forget to mention. And all three of those amazing podcasts are a part of Alt Media United. Go figure. So please go over to altmediaunited.com, check it out. Shout out Alt Media United. If you do find a podcast that you really like that resonates with you let them know that you found it through alt media united because alex sikaris and i put this project together really with the intention of creating a cooperative a cooperative that supports independent podcasters and something that we can all voluntarily contribute together towards helping one another stabilize ourselves as independent podcasters you know without getting too much into the uh, shop talk so to speak you know that it's not free I don't just put this podcast out for free it costs money uh, and there are other costs that come along with hosting a podcast and obviously we have a patreon people help us out and offset those costs and there are a lot of other ways that people can make money and I think the cooperative isn't really focused on that as much as it is teaching, uniting, and building a community around podcasting so that you don't feel so isolated because it is kind of like an entrepreneurial thing and you just do it on your own and yeah, you have shows with other people, but I thought on the back end, it could be a great way to at least keep everyone up to date on all of the new technology that's coming around, the new apps, and, you know, all of the ways to avoid censorship because that's, you know, what we've already experienced here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast uh, episode. Let's see, with uh, James from We The People Radio. Shout out to you, bro. Really cool dude, James, out in uh, the West area of the state. I don't know if he wants me to shout out his location now that I think about it. I'm a little stoned. But uh, James from We The People Radio, his episode got kicked off of YouTube. Go figure. We're talking about a lot of very compelling stuff in this episode and that episode. And the other episode that got taken off YouTube already was Corey Daniels. So long story short, I'm not going to loan about that for you guys because i know you guys love the show and you're going to want to listen to as much my family thinks and crazy content as possible so you got to stay up to date you got to follow the podcast on a podcast app that supports the podcasting 2.0 index if you don't know what that is go to podcasting 2.0 dot com or just search that you get to the podcast index you can also just search that and there are apps listed on that website where you can find apps that aren't going to censor this show right and that's the idea and youtube clearly is not one of those uh, sites or apps it's not going to support the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy Podcast. So if you want to support us, don't use that app. Don't use that service. Go over to Rockfin, Rockfin.com. It's like the Netflix of podcasting. And if you sign up and follow me first, that'd be awesome. We almost hit a thousand followers on Rockfin, so let's get those numbers up folks. I know there's more than a thousand of you listening. And I really appreciate all of you for listening. And if you appreciate the show, help us out. Go over to the Patreon, patreon.com MFTIC. That's where you're going to get all the bonus content. And lately I've been putting the episodes there uh, a day early. So you will see the pre um, episodes of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast in that audio RSS feed as well. They just come out a day early or maybe the night before. Uh, But I think we'll start doing it a day early, and I'll just do a better job of uh, finishing these up on time, because this is a uh, full-time job, folks. This is not something that you can just moonlight, although that is my favorite time of hour to work. And if you're listening to this podcast at night, look around you, absorb the moment, and enjoy this very controversial very controversial conversation with Alex Caris. I would not be surprised if this also gets booted off of YouTube because we talked about mask science, we talked about flat earth, and we also talked about Josephus. Huge topics, folks. And if you are easily offended or sensitive to some of those topics, I understand Uh, I have an open mind and I respect everybody who is uh, calling themselves a flat earther or identifies as a flat earther. I respect you and I love you for listening to the show. And because we had this conversation, I have made a promise to you guys to have David Weiss on the podcast because we have had folks reach out and say, hey, can you get David Wise on the podcast? And I said, why not? He's been on every other podcast. Let's get him on. And uh that way you guys know that I'm open to flat Earth. Because I am. I haven't ruled it out. Um I know in this conversation it sounds like I have, but you know, I think I also kind of uh try to reflect my guests as best as I can while still trying to maintain as much honesty as I can uh, within my own perspective. And that perspective is multifaceted. It's not a one dimensional perspective. And that's not to say that flat earthers have a one dimensional perspective either. So that's why I love open discourse with anybody, no matter what their stance is. Uh, I've had many people on the podcast who I don't agree with, but you might not notice because we have great conversations. I think that's Part of the secret is is to meet in the middle and find what we agree on. And, um, and maybe, you know, if it comes up, find things that we disagree on. If it's really, really, really pivotal to uh, a solution. But either way, folks, what a rant. If you like these rants, go over to the Patreon, patreon.com MFTIC, where there is bonus content. We have a bonus audio RSS feed that you can plug into the same podcast player that you're using to listen to this podcast right now, save for maybe podcast players like Spotify, YouTube, and Apple. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to use those. Let's just uh, avoid those. So here's the sound effect I wanted to play. Uh, and that's it. Enjoy this very controversial conversation with the man behind the Skeptico. Podcast, my buddy, my friend, and I dare say my mentor. I did have lunch with him this summer in New York City, and it was very kind of him. I do want to thank him for that. I forgot to thank him here, but I guess I'm doing it right now. Alex, thank you for having lunch with me in New York City. One uh, of the few podcasters that have been on my show who I have actually met in person. Uh, Micah Dank is also on the list. But again, if you like these rants, if you like this personal stuff, go over to the Patreon, patreon.com MFTIC. And like I said, enjoy this extremely, extremely controversial conversation with my man from the Skeptico podcast, Alex Sakaris.
1: Is being recorded. Yeah, I'm down with that. Hell yeah.
0: All right. What's up, Alex? How have you been?
1: Mark, I've been good. I've been good. Congratulations. One year. Thank My you. My family thinks I'm crazy. Nice episode.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that's why I wanted to have you back. I mean, we're probably going to put this out for episode 97 because you were episode 7 of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. You were one of uh, the first guests to grace us with their uh, wisdom and knowledge on this show so I felt it was only right to have you back 90 episodes later and and get into uh, what's going on since because we definitely you know have a a relationship outside of the uh, recorded podcasting realm so a lot has gone on in the last year and, and I know a lot's been going on for you in the past month so let's get into it I mean mask science, Alex. This is the first topic that we're, we're going to get into today. I was just listening to your conversation with uh, Mr. Paquette, and I was thrown out of, uh, let's see, my third grocery store um, in the past few months, uh, last week. So it was a little synchronistic that you brought that topic up and I'm excited to, to get into it. I mean, the listeners of the show are like me, I imagine they, they're not wearing a mask unless they're being forced to for their job. So, you know, what, uh, what, what kind of science is, is backing up that? Cause I don't, I mean, I just base it in, you know, I don't like wearing a mask. It didn't really cross my mind to, uh, to go further in, and I didn't feel like I had to prove it. But honestly, in this day and age, we should be able to back up our decisions because I was just kind of angry in the grocery store. I, I felt like maybe I was unequipped and unarmed to really justify, you know, my presence there without a mask other than just kind of like arguing with the folks. I, you know, it would be nice to have some, you know— Legitimate science to share with them, and then maybe turn the the discussion into uh, at least a learning moment for for some of the people. But for the most part, it was just you know me getting thrown out of a grocery store and saying you know F you, F this and and I hope uh, you know people out there listening if they have that same instinct that I do that we can all learn something together today.
1: Wow. I so so they threw you out, huh? What was that like?
0: Well, it was it it was, you know, expected in a way. You know, I didn't uh I definitely didn't stand for this it. This is in Connecticut, yeah. Like
1: what what store what store and where in Connecticut was it?
0: So here's the worst part. So it was a health food store. Right? Yeah,
1: they're the worst. They're the worst.
0: Right. So, you know, we went in thinking that maybe they would be like the other health food stores in the state and have sort of a lenient policy about it, no. but they kind of encourage it. But no, this city, the city that they're in, is very strict about it. And Yale University uh, is, you know, the basically the lifeblood of New Haven. So anything they say goes, and, and this health food store happens to be within that city so that was pretty much why and we even had a Yale nurse who did not work for the grocery store chime in as I was arguing with uh, one of the grocery store employees telling him like why you know we're just getting food you know and it was very uncivil, so we don't have to get into exactly what I said, but, you know, that that kind of, I wish I had some, like, actual, you know, information to share. So as we're being thrown out, I would sound a lot more justified and less like a, just a belligerent uh, rebel.
1: Well, gosh, you know, there are so many jumping off points there. We could spend the whole time talking about this. First, I got to just share as a little experiment, you know, people don't uh, associate this, but I live in Southern California, I live in San Diego, and most people think California is kind of locked down, it's kind of the worst. I mean, I I don't have to wear a mask anywhere, but I do notice that, you know, and I only, I don't even go out that much, but if I go to stores, the health oriented stores are definitely, people are more masked up. But just as a little experiment, Mark, maybe not as an experiment, but I went to, uh, my wife and I flew to Denver just a weekend or two ago. I didn't wear a mask in the San Diego airport at all in and, and the whole line when I got to TSA. And then I, I, just, I just said, hey, I'm not even going to bring it up unless somebody does. The only guy, there was one of the TSA agents who in a very non-confrontational, like, you just can't rub it in my face too much, said... Uh, Pull the mask up. And uh, I was like, okay. And I pulled it up for exactly two seconds. And then I pulled it back down. The only other time I pulled it up, because I just wear like a little, you know, handkerchief around the thing, you know, uh, I pulled it up while I was boarding the plane, you know, right when you go past the flight attendant. I didn't for the Two seconds before that, I didn't have it up. Two seconds after that, I didn't have it up the entire flight. I got in Denver. I didn't wear it through the airport at all in Denver. And uh, then coming back because uh, in Denver, I didn't wear it at all. So, you know, I think it's, uh, I guess, two things, I think. I think it is an act of civil disobedience that we must engage in. That's my opinion. Must is kind of too strong of a word, but I think it's good. I think it bolsters the spirits of other people who are like us, who don't want to go that far, don't want to run the risk of confrontation like you're talking about. So I think it's I think wherever possible, we should wear we should not wear the mask. We should defy any of that stuff. But I guess the second part of my story is if you do that, I think you're going to find a lot more allies than you will kind of like the health food store kind of situation.
0: Right. Yeah. You, you, you you alienate yourself when you take my approach of arguing with, uh, with people about it. And yeah, I think you're right. There is a sort of subtle, Uh, You know, okay, we all recognize that, like, I have to pretend like I believe in this mask for this brief second so you can go on and do your job as the uh, TSA checker guy. And then it's not on your back. If someone else sees me without the mask, I kind of conformed in that one moment. I, I, I think it's totally valid. I've just gone and avoided any place that enforces that, you know, that was our last time going there. We made a stand, you know, I called the manager afterwards and said, how could you consider yourself a health food store when you don't, you know, have any sort of mind towards what's healthy or not. You're asking me to wear a mask and a mask is completely, you know, unhealthy. I mean, I'm hoping we can get into some of those details because I think, you know, even, um, you know. See, but
1: Mark, let me let me interject two things, two topics I want to make sure we touch on on this thing, and you can decide where we go to them. One is someone just forwarded me the recent appearance of uh, CNN's main health correspondent Sanjay Gupta, Gupta, who was recently on Rogan, and I thought their discussion on masks was very interesting, very disappointing regarding Joe Rogan. I think Joe Rogan is fantastic, you know, in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, he continually kind of fails to kind of really get this. So I want to talk about Rogan and masks. I want to talk about the Yale study, which you're referring to, which is really, really, to me, super important. But the distinction that I would make that really made me kind of jump in there, if you will, is I don't care if people want to wear masks, I am totally fine if you want to wear masks. My only point is, if you are going to institute public health policy, if you're going to say, as a, in the interest of public health, we are going to compel you to wear a mask, then there's a certain level of science that you have to provide along with that. That's just the way the game is always played, you know? It's like we can't have—if our government said, hey, everyone should— kind of eat some really nasty thing, drink Clorox bleach, you know, and when we think that, and therefore you should do it, we'd say, well, wait a minute, give, you gotta give us a little bit more evidence than that before we start guzzling Clorox bleach, that doesn't make sense. So there's a difference between what we do personally, the decisions we make, because there are some people who eat, Clor- there really are some people who drink Clorox bleach. That's their business, right? Um, and, and what public health policy is. So in that way, you know, I don't know that we need to call the store and tell them how stupid they are about masks, because that isn't the issue. The issue is, as a public health policy, can we compel people to wear masks? And what level of evidence would we need before we would compel them? And that's where the Yale study gets in. So, uh, but tell me where you want to go next, because I kind of threw out a bunch of stuff.
0: No, I, I'm glad you brought those points up because, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, boy, I really could have handled that situation better. You know, I really acted out of emotion. You know, I, I expected them to be strict about the masks there, but I. You know, I thought maybe grocery store would be lenient and and yeah, calling the manager probably didn't yield any results. But, you know, from the perspective of whether or not people need to be convinced to wear the mask, the fact is that people are already wearing them. I kind of feel like I'm in a position of like, you know, just wanting to go about my normal business and now I can't. You know, the coffee shops I used to go to can't go there without a mask bookstores I used to go to can't go there without a mask no big deal I have books I can make my own coffee I've I've learned to to do things otherwise but it's it's really I'm 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 hoping that I'm not the only one feeling this way where I feel like I need to be more vocal about why I'm not wearing a mask and when I am going to be vocal I want to be equipped with you know exactly you know the truth of the situation the science why the masks aren't effective at you know doing what they say they would do and you know considering what they do say it's supposed to protect us from people who are already sick so if i'm not sick why do i need to wear a mask right it's 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 this sort of psychological in my opinion a mass manipulation you know we see masks being worn in occult rituals for thousands of years it's a transformational tool and they're transforming people into literally believing that they're sick when they're not you know how strong the placebo effect is it's it's totally a consciousness first paradigm we don't have to debate that so i think that it's totally you know creating a a society of hypochondriacs
1: well then, let's talk uh, a little bit about the Joe Rogan Sanjay Gupta clip. Okay, and do you edit? You don't really edit, do you?
0: I can edit. Yeah, I mean the video, no, but I edit the audio, yes.
1: Because if you want, I can I can pull up the clip so that people can really do it, but it'd take a couple minutes. So
0: what's uh, you can? You I could pull. I could it? pull it up. Yeah, I got my uh, my phone hooked up to the mixer, so we'll both be able to hear it and respond well, can, to it. If you,
1: you can just play it when you share the screen in Zoom, if you do share the sound.
0: Yeah, go ahead, get it. I, we got time.
1: Okay. So the the interesting thing, I'll kind of talk you through it as I'm pulling it up. Okay. The really interesting slash super disappointing thing to me on the, on the video is that v- first, you know, Rogan being Rogan is fantastic in that he has this very relaxed manner that he has. And he puts Sanjay Gupta and again, I just went over this point, but Sanjay Gupta is the go-to guy on CNN to talk about all health issues. And he kind of has this um, very, you know, nice bedside manner uh, on puts everyone at ease and all the rest of that. But they're just doing the same kind of stuff that they always do. And so they. when he came on there, Rogan, everyone makes a big deal out of the fact that Rogan kind of nailed him on the CNN lied thing because Rogan, of course, said, I got COVID and I took the horse dewormer and and it isn't a horse dewormer. It's been da da da. So they got into the whole thing. But then they talked about masks. Let me see. I have it up here. Let me see if I can play this play this clip for you so that you can hear it.
0: We can say ivermectin. I mean, well, this is a podcast, so I'm not worried about it getting censored. We we're we're safe thanks to Adam Curry and podcasting 2.0. Okay,
1: cool. Well, here's uh.
0: Yes, I've seen Sanjay Gupta before. He looks familiar.
1: I'm skipping around here, but there he is.
0: Are you sharing your sound because we're? I'm not able to hear the.
1: Oh, you! I'm sorry, Gosh darn <laughs> here, right. Let me let That's me do right. it again. Let me do it again, and I'll share the sound portion. You are going to have to edit now, or it's going to be total crap. <laughs> That's fine. And ninety-five, that is. There How are you hearing was, it now? I yeah. think that I think what what happens is that again, people expect uh, a certain level of. Certainty in saying how effective they are or they're going to be a panacea for things, right. and nothing is. Have you va- ever seen the doctor online? Okay, no. Joe's going off on his thing. Came over here. This is bullshit compared to my masks, bro. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you. You didn't even know about your masks, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even know about yours. Yours doesn't even adjust. <laughs> what if you have big... Okay, so they're yucking it up there, but two things to point out that I think are, are super interesting. One to your point, Mark. Joe Rogan emphasizes the point that he only wear, he wears a mask, and then he goes and he says, "But you know, I do it so other people aren't uncomfortable. I don't want people to feel uncomfortable around me, so I wear a mask." I think this is such a, 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 a destructive message. Maybe that's a little bit of an overreach, but I do. I think this is about civil disobedience. I think it's about 1958. You know, the mom telling the, the, the girl, hey, honey, don't go bend the back of the bus and sit with them colored people. You'll make, you're going to make that nice bus driver upset. You're going to make all the rest of the people on this bus upset. Don't you go do that. Fuck that shit. Civil disobedience. The way I see it is, you walk into the coffee shop and they say, hey, you need a mask. You slip the mask above your nose. As soon, Two seconds later, you pull it down. You let this process repeat. You make the guy come out from the thing five times and say, I got you. Can't we all get along here? Can't You try and make the thing work. You're the guy who's breaking the color barrier. You're the guy who's going in the back of the bus to sit with all the other people because we're all the same freaking color. It's a stupid rule that needs to be disobeyed. Civil disobedience. The fact that fucking Rogan doesn't get that, the fact that he's spewing this kind of wokeness nonsense, that I'm responsible for the fact that you feel uncomfortable, me not wearing a mask. That's ridiculous. You're responsible for how you feel. I'm not responsible for how you feel. And the second part that I would play from that clip, and I'm sorry, it was kind of disjointed. I didn't know we were going to play it, but you did get a little clip from Sanjay there. You missed the fucking point, Sanjay. It's not that, well, you notice, actually, if you read what he's, read between the lines of what he's saying there, he's saying, well, I think they might be a little bit effective. Hey, bud, that's not what this is about. This is about public health policy. This is about demanding, compelling people to do something. You can't be wishy washy on it. Which then that leads into, if we do want to talk about the science and the Yale study slash Stanford study that I just did the show on, we can. But I tell you, why don't we pause there and talk about those two points? Because I find that very, very frustrating with Rogan. And I know there's a lot of people that go all homo on Rogan, but I do not.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't have any illusions that Rogan is, like, behind podcasting in any way. He just was, you know, one of the first, most popular whatevers to do it. And I think the whole adage, I don't know if Tupac said it or someone said it before him, but it, you can't have a following and a message. You could just have one or the other, you know. And, and I wow. think Rogan wow. gave up his message for his following, and, and he pretty much sold his uh, podcast soul, so to speak, when he sanctioned it off into the realms of Spotify only. I mean, it's just, it's a joke what happened there. So I I agree with you. I'm not in in, uh, Rogan's camp in any way. I listened to his show years ago and I haven't for many years, but it doesn't surprise me that he's going to say something like that with, uh, you know, Oh, I do it to make people feel comfortable. Well, guess what? You know, you're a comedian and you're also very wealthy. So that's, you know, to me, I feel like he, he can be in the position of, oh, I just need to make sure people are comfortable with me. Whereas me, it's like, no, I, I didn't want to work a job wearing a mask anymore. If I don't work that job, I need to find another job or I'm going to be, you know, in trouble. You know, I'm going to have more problems than just dealing with the uncomfortability of wearing a mask every day. You know, so for him to be, you know, looked up to by all these people who are, you know, loving hunting and bow hunting and eating elk and like all of the the kind of red blooded kind of tropes that he's at least used to be known for, you know, those guys who appear that tough in my experience just from being a martial artist a lot of those guys when it comes down to it aren't as tough as they say they are when it comes to or appear to be when it comes to their mental philosophy or their uh willingness to be uh disobedient in a civil setting so yeah i mean i don't know maybe my height has always made me <laughs> that kind of person anyways where people were a little uncomfortable around me. So I've been a little more um, inclined to lean into that uncomfortability, which is why I've uh, rubbed up against, uh, you know, people that way in grocery stores and so on. But, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't find it out of character for Rogan to kind of shill in that way. It's just, you know, part and parcel to what he's decided to do. You know, and that's not saying that someone who's wealthy is more comfortable at this point in time. But when you're in his position where you have a sort of uh, personal uh, wealth or maybe like a psychic wealth that he's drawing on, where a lot of people are looking up to him, a lot of people are putting him at the top of their hierarchy. and, And that, you know, I think that puts someone in a position where they say safe things like what he just said, you know, I do it to make people feel comfortable.
1: Yeah. There's a bunch of interesting things there. And I get that. I get what you're saying. I love that. You can't have a following in a message, bro. That's, that's next level. I I wrote it down so I can look up and we can find out who really, who really said that. Well, you want to talk about that. You want to talk about the study?
0: Yeah, please. Let us know what's going on.
1: So the the really interesting thing about the the study that I'm going to share with you, and I did the show with this guy, Dr. Andy Paquette, who I've known for a long, long time through Skeptico. I met him. Do, do you know at all who he is?
0: I know that he initially wrote a book about dreams, which yeah, I thought was an yeah. interesting left turn when he had a, a topic the topic was mask science. So yeah, please tell us more about
1: them. Oh, that's so cool that you would know the dream thing. You know, I, uh, like I said, I've known Andy for a bunch of years and I recently introduced Andy to another podcast group, Rob and Trish McGuire, who are fantastic. They've written like a hundred books collectively between the two of them. And they're really, 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 really cool people. Andy goes on and does an interview and Trish sends me a note and says, oh my God, I think he's the most psychic person I've ever spoken with. And the reason I bring this up, because you will appreciate this, Mark, and I think you'll even more appreciate that he kind of has a foot in two worlds. He has had and recorded more precognitive dreams than anyone in history. And that is a statement of fact, because he's published them, like you said, in these books. He's published them in peer-reviewed journals, the statistical analysis that he's done on them. He is truly like this strange force of nature with being able to dream the future. 9-11 dreams, he had a bunch of them. Other natural disaster dreams, he had a bunch of them. And he records them. Right? So the dreams are written down, recorded, and shared with other people. So it, it can't be kind of falsified. It totally blows you away. But Andy recently went back to get a PhD from College of London, and I don't know what. And he's what he's best known for is, as a, a computer graphic game designer and programmer, he was in all these uh, movies, Uh, you know, like he was just talking the other day and he was just bringing up this story. Yeah, when I was on on doing the Who Framed Roger Rabbit thing and I was the boss of all this. I mean, he's like a legit, super legit guy in that world. But he also has this background of being a scientist and knowing statistics. And that was my go-to for him on this uh, mask study because I'll, I'll play you a little clip from the beginning, but the backdrop of this is there's been this ongoing debate, if you will, although they've really squashed the debate, as to whether or not these masks are really effective. And then, if people remember, Fauci came out. <laughs> he didn't come out, actually. He was exposed by a whistleblower who revealed these emails where he said, oh, I, I knew the masks don't work, but, you know, I had to hold the party line. Well, the science behind it has always been that the masks don't work. And when I say that, people jump up and down and they get all mixed up. And again, it's like the difference we we're talking about between public health policy and your personal decision. Personal decision, I don't care if you wear a mask. Public health policy, don't compel me to wear a mask unless you got the goods, unless you got the evidence. Well, the the same, there's kind of a corollary here. Do masks work like do masks work in a library, in a laboratory? Can you put a mask on a person? And then like we've seen these pictures where they tell them to cough and they have this kind of blackened thing. And you see these little things that come out of their mouth or don't come out of their mouth. Hey, you can set that deal up. You can make it look like it works and it probably does work to some extent, but the measure again, because the only thing we really care about is public health policy would be do they work in the real world? If we go and we start using masks in the real world, have a population and tell them, okay, use a mask. And then we have another group, our control group. And we say, you guys don't use a mask. And then at the end we test them and we say, did you get the flu? Did you get the cold? Did you get the coronavirus?" And is there a relationship correlation between wearing the mask, not wearing the mask? That's the science. And as it turns out, if you think this through, they've done that science for a long time, because this isn't the first pandemic. Well, maybe it's the first pandemic, probably not. But the, the the point being, for a long time we've had an, we've had an interest in knowing whether or not masks might be a good idea for people to wear during flu season. But the thing is, lo and behold, every time we've run the studies, it always comes back and says, no result which is a scientific term for, I went looking for it and I didn't see it. And you got to be careful that null results are really, really powerful. In this case, what it means is there's no effect. The mask isn't making any difference, but the null effect is just that we can't see any statistical difference between the people who wore the mask and the people who didn't wear the mask consistently over and over again. They've done studies in hospitals. They've done meta-analysis over and over again. So you'll find one oddball study that shows a little bit of effect on the mask, and then you'll find a couple that don't show any effect. And then you keep doing it, you keep doing it, and over and over again, they come back and they say, hey, there's nothing here. These masks are not, that's the established scientific fact. So the question would be, has there been some new, freaking great new study that says, "Hey guys, wait a minute, we found that there really is something here"? Or you can say, oh, "You know, we thought it didn't work, but for COVID, it really does work." So here's what we did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play you the the opening of it. Deal might enjoy it. Here, your listeners. You won't enjoy it, but your listeners. <sighs> I'm just I'm just <sighs> kidding. Oops. So here's the show. People wanna check it out. It's 523 of Skeptico. A large study on masks details their importance in the fight against COVID. Bullshit. For an in-depth look, we spoke to one of the lead authors of that study. Researchers at Stanford, Yale, and UC Berkeley analyzed 350,000 adults in Bangladesh. Now they took half of that group and encouraged them to wear masks. 29% 29% of them uh, complied with that for about a 10-week period. They found that Max, in general, provided a 9% reduction in cases. Yeah, junk science. And today on Skeptico, our guest, Dr. Andy Paquette, will break down what is one of the most deceptive studies I've run across. I mean, this discussion even brought us back to the sheldrick Wiseman days. But let's roll on with the clip surgical masks were even more efficient reducing cases by 11%. Uh, Ashley Stusinski one of the lead authors in the study and an infectious disease fellow at Stanford says the results offer a glimpse of just how much masks matter. So overall we felt that this demonstrated that masks are highly effective in reducing COVID-19.
0: Yeah Alex I gotta say like a couple things (laughs) I'm sorry this is just yeah First off, the first headline was much more sensational than the second one. Both of them are not based on any kind of foundation of evidence found in this article. But the thing that really got me was that clip of the, uh, the TV news. So the TV announcer says that they found a 9% reduction in cases. And then the lady says, yes, it's 9% up to 11% for this other condition. And I'm thinking, I just read that paper, and what they just said is wrong. It's a 9% relative reduction, the actual absolute reduction was something
1: like .002%. It was tiny. The headline to me is big lie. And when I say big lie, I mean it's kind of well known in propaganda is the best way to hide a lie is to make it a big lie. Cause little lies are liable to be exposed. If they would have just tried to bury this study and not put it out and someone stumbled across it and said, hey, Here's another null result. Stack it alongside the, the Danish study that just came out, randomized control study that shows null result. Stack it along with all the epidemiological data, which we should talk about. I think what they've done is they've hyped it up in order to bury it. So the debate becomes, well, you know, did they really do it? You know, did they do this right? Who did they force to do it? When what the real story is, another null result. Welcome to Skeptico, where we explore... Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, hey, stop that. Okay. Uh, did you get all that? I did. So, uh, you know, so, so here's kind of the cool thing for talking to a New Haven guy here, the Yale thing. What this really is about is, like, y- you got the balls to go into the coffee shop and the grocery store and not wear the mask, which I credit you, man. I mean, that people, I'll tell you this for your audience. If you haven't done that, you need to do that. You need to do that for yourself because I think you'll have an appreciation for what Mark is talking about. And you don't have to take the same course. You know, You don't have to do it. You can just put it on when they say put it on. But walk into that store without it on and see how it feels. Because that's what I think the New Haven Yale study is about. This is a motherfucker from Yale. And you know what he actually says? He says, this is the nail in the coffin in terms of research. This should end any scientific debate. Those are his exact freaking words, Mike <laughs> Mark. And it is unbelievable that such a a, a discredited study, such horrible science, that this guy would speak in that way. But you know, bro, because you live in New Haven, these guys... They think that everyone should just bow down. and But the power of that, the, the, is the woman from Stanford and this guy from Yale and they're lying about the science? How can we stand up? It's very hard to stand up. That's why you got to pull the mask down when you walk into the store. That's why you got to pull it down when you walk into the coffee shop. You got to, because you got to tell these people that they're not going to get away with it. Now to the details of the numbers of what we're saying here. They totally faked this freaking study. First of all, they went to to Bangladesh, and they got all this money from Bill Gates and these other people, which is a complete lie on their part. They said, oh, we started the study, and it came out so good that we just had to run to Bill Gates, which is what they say. This is what they say. I'm not making this up. We said, oh, please fund it because this is saving so many lives. You know what the actual numbers show? That their reduction in cases, best case, given all their sloppy work, poor blood samples, all the rest of this stuff, was no more, significantly less, than one in a thousand. If I came to you and I said, hey, I got this magic pendant to wear, put this magic pendant on, and then you won't get COVID. And you said, wow, Alex, that sounds great, man. What do you have to back it up? And I say, oh, it's, it's good. We did the study and it reduced it and you said well how much i said well one in a, one in a thousand people seem to not have you know the flu you know you'd go what one in a th- i mean how do you know you didn't make some mistake one in a thousand is not a very big effect how do you know you know you didn't make well, it, it that's how it came out. So that's nail in the coffin. That should really end any scientific debate. Please send me the money for the pendant, because it really, really works. That I swear to God. Go listen to the show. Go read the read the data yourself. Go read the study. It's out there. That is exactly less than one in a thousand is the effect. Mm. It's just it's just it's New Haven, baby. It's tell us about New Haven.
0: Well, and I'm glad you're bringing this up because that's exactly, you know, what I intuited (laughs) and what everybody's been saying. You know, it doesn't take a genius to to figure that out, that the masks are ineffective. But why this is happening, I think, is why I wanted to get into this and what the larger implications of wearing the mask is. Because, yeah, okay, health, right? That's the obvious implication, right? They're telling us if you want to be healthy, you have to wear the mask. Uh, When we look into it, we find out that that's not the case. You actually might be harming yourself by wearing the mask every day. So, you know, without that, that one side of it where, like, okay, this is detrimental on a physical level, how is this detrimenting people on a mental and spiritual level? To me, it seems very obvious that it's a division of a divisionary tool. I mean, you brought up the, you know, 1960s and the, you know, civil rights movement, because I mean, just like then, you know, the idea of race, which is a term that means family. If you go back to the older dictionaries, is a term that means family, the fact that race was a sort of, um, you know, invisible barrier that caused all these problems because at the end of the day, we're all human beings, right? We can understand that now. The same thing is happening with the masks. They're They're having people take sides ideologically, and anybody who isn't wearing a mask is now a threat to the rest of us. And, you know, you guys hear the name of the show. I've always been a black sheep. So, like Alex said, it's not really... Much for me to go to New Haven without a mask on, but that doesn't mean that I get away with it. I mean, I can't buy a coffee. I can't get a book. But it's that motivation to those people who are maybe more willing to kind of just comply until they see someone like me who's, you know, being beaten down for not complying, and that motivates more people to say, oh, okay, well, you know, that guy doesn't seem that irrational, which is why I want to know the science, and now I'll, I'll remind people, hey, the mask is effective for one out of 1,000 people. Uh, are you one of the one out of 1,000? Because I'm not, <laughs> right? So, I, like, I, I think that's something there. I may not have gotten that correct, but either way that's what we need to be doing is reframing it so it's less of a fight and more of a positive exchange of information because that in my opinion is the real goal is to get people to fight that's the only way that these masks are effective at anything is getting us to fight with each other i think that's what they're most effective at if we're going to talk about efficacy
1: well you know two things one I think it is all about communication, and I like the way that you just said it. I think it's, it's, it's really, really great the way that you said it, because I really think it communicates it on a different level. And some people might try and pick it apart scientifically, but my opinion, based on having li- really reviewed this stuff, for, I really spent a lot of time on it. You're much more spot on than the bullshit that they're spewing in the Stanford study or the Yale study its Yale and Stanford is that, Hey, yeah, it's effective for like one out of a thousand. I don't think I'm that one out of a thousand. What do you think? Are you that I'm not, I mean, that kind of simplifies it down to a level. That's awesome. And the other thing, I think that you're, you're continuing to point out and I am too, because this is really what we have to get to is that this isn't about science. It's about compliance. If it was about science, there would be no mandate because the science isn't there. What it's about is they want the most visible outward sign of compliance so that they can, as you described it, you know, split the herd. You know, here's the herd that, here's the guys who are with us, here's the guys who are not with us. But I would say, you know, but the, the, I, I do think the civil rights movement is a good analogy and i think we have to do a little mlk on this thing you know what i mean we can't we can't stop loving the people who are driving around in their car all by themselves wearing a mask we can't stop loving those people because they are brothers too there are race there are family i'm not about that and i know you're not about that either i think it's a let's let's join together with what we really value most about each other and seeing each other. And that is is the non-mask. That is, pull your mask down, brother. I wanna see who you are, cause I wanna connect with you. Cause you are me, I am you. Don't hide that.
0: Well, and I'll tell you what, you know, I'm glad we we started this conversation off with you explaining, you know, your recent travels because you're demonstrating like, hey, this is what I did, and I didn't have much of a problem. Most of the time I didn't have to wear a mask. That was my experience for most of this year, as a matter of fact. I found a way around those, you know, blockages where we weren't able to go certain places, and I think really the larger – sort of issue you see in my state where I am and I don't know how true this is in California because there's so much more people in California in comparison to Connecticut but Connecticut you know is the second highest uh income per capita of any state in the United States. It's behind Massachusetts, which is north of us. So, you know, combine us together. And that's basically one, you know, mega area with New York City uh, of wealth. And then uh, just along the sort of fringes of that is a huge population of people who are extremely unwealthy you know there's a big disparity in connecticut massachusetts and new york between rich and poor people and i think that is the real reason why certain people are wearing the masks and have continued to wear the masks all summer and through the fall is because they have a sort of i'm better than you and this is what it means to be better than you uh, now in this new world to, to wear a mask and, and, and go with this movement and anyone who doesn't, you know, it, it is not as good as I, you know, and it, and it doesn't include race. It's, it's all races that participate in this wealth gap you know because there's poor white people and there's rich black people and all the other races in between and you know they're here they're in massachusetts they're in connecticut they're in new york and they're behind this you know sam says it a lot on his show it's like rich kids you know that are influencing this stuff it seems like uh military uh you know military ties are usually the case with certain groups but you know it is very much um an establishment, we'll say.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's certainly not that out here. Where I live, everyone's super wealthy. And uh, even the people who are not wealthy are wealthy by normal standards. So where I go shopping at uh, Trader Joe's or Sprouts, the health food market, or uh, I kind of, I kind of don't do the – I own a lot of Amazon stock, but I don't do the Whole Foods thing. Uh, mainly because I don't like the price, sprouts are better. But all the people are, uh, from a socioeconomic standpoint, relative to what you're talking about, everybody's rich, everybody's white. People who are not white are white economically. So there isn't that, but there's a ton, ton of diversity out here. And the diversity we see is in the wokeness diversity. It's along political lines. So the people at the health food store who are, just swallowing the Kool-Aid by the gallon full. The, the, they have only one way to go. Of course they're going to mask up. Of course they're going to take the jab. They're going to do all that. It, it, where I live, it doesn't have anything to do with economics. It has to do with politics. But I'm sure that what you're saying is valid in other places that you can divide it up economically.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I think there's more of a, a blue-collar conservatist conservatism here in new england and and people who are wealthy just for whatever reason tend to not be as conservative sparing some certain areas but yeah i'm not an expert in any of that but i know you know living where you are it is something that we could at least gleam some perspective on uh, you know from that microcosm macrocosm kind of way you know living in connecticut and massachusetts i see that you know economic disparity and and i I think you know part of that is the movers and shakers aren't affected by it so yeah put a mask on and you know the big business meetings and all these you know groups that are kind of conducting um like let's say a huge company that has thousands and thousands of employees. The guys in the board meeting—they're not wearing a mask throughout their whole day. Maybe they put it on when they walk through the office, but I doubt they're wearing it in their offices. And you know what I mean. So there's there is definitely. No, no, a- I,
1: I don't know what you mean because I I don't see that and I don't see that to be true. Just to be honest with you, and I and I don't want to disagree with you just for the point of it. Like I say. In the area where I live, if I Mm. go around to like grocery stores, uh, barbershop kind of thing, it's it's an affluent area. And it isn't like it is more there, you know, where you live. And I don't know a lot about Connecticut, but having been there in the Northeast, like you're saying, I get it. Or having grown up in Chicago, you know, you live in an affluent area. Don't you dare drive three miles the other way because it won't be that way. That's not so much the thing in Southern California. North County, San Diego, or Orange County, you know, like if people know Orange County, you go to Orange County, everyone's rich in Orange County. (laughs) There aren't any poor people in Orange County. You can't, you go off at five, you know, and you get off at Laguna Laguna Hills, you go five miles in any direction, you don't find any poverty. And you go into the Vons or the Ralphs or whatever, it's all... You know, there's a lot of people that are stretched out on their $150,000 a year salary because their mortgage and their BMW payment. But you don't find the kind of stratified economic thing that you do there. But you do find a lot of differences along the lines that we're talking about. So I'm just pushing back on this oh, kind fine. of socioeconomic thing because it doesn't, it doesn't hold up where I live. All right. Well,
0: I want to I wanted to switch gears anyways because I think, you know, the mask, like you said it, the science <laughs> it's not nail in a coffin shut lid, you know, like they're trying to pull off. It's very flimsy, flimsy science, you know, trying to mandate it is only making it more obvious of how flimsy it is. So, yeah, I mean, personally I think it's uh it's definitely a, a psychological tactic, but you know, going into another realm that might be a psychological tactic. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on what you think of flat earth as a psyop, because, you know, I've run into a lot of alternative and conspiracy theories and, and flat earthers seem to be alone in their, uh, their, you know, capacity to really, really like stick it to you if you do not agree with them. And I don't find that, you know, closed-mindedness to be very you know amicable towards going and wanting to look up anything else further you know my opinion of flat earth is like i respect you if that's what your worldview is but i don't personally uh find that worldview very fruitful and i'm gonna just say it maybe now for the first time i think it's a psyop. up i think it, it's it's pushing people into a into a camp, much like they've done with the anti-vax movement, pushing people into a camp of extremes so that anything else they say is not taken seriously. You know, so you have flat earthers who say, oh, the earth is flat and also NASA's fake. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I I can see where you might be saying NASA is untrustworthy and we need to look into some of their claims, but does that mean the earth is also flat? No. So, you know, Alex, if you you would, I mean... don't seem like you want to get into this topic. What do you think?
1: No, we can, we can definitely get in there and I would just tie it back a tiny bit to what we were talking about with the mask thing, Mm. because Hey, Mark, the reason I've always had a lot of respect for you and your your ability to kind of think this stuff through is super impressive. And I, like I said, I listened to the, I've, I kind of skimmed through a bunch of the most recent shows, but really listened to the anniversary show, which was, was great and is really cool. Amazing what you've done in a year, just amazing. It took me a lot more, a lot longer to even find a voice, let alone feel like I kind of had a handle on some of these talk, topics. So hats off to you. And so one other little compliment. <laughs> when I was playing the clip from my show on mask science, I was talking about the big lie and you were like nodding your head, like you, you got it, which to me, I love when people get the kind of subtler things. Cause that's the part that really interests me. So, let's just chat about that because I think it fits into the flat earth thing. So the point I was making, and you got this, but let's draw it out, talk about it a little bit further, is if you got a lie like the mask thing, like, you know, it's a lie. And worse yet, you got fucking Fauci came out and admitted it was a lie. Ooh, What if you're in that camp? What if you're running that program, that PSYOP? You got a problem, man. You got a problem. And now you hire these guys from Yale and you throw money at them and you say, Jesus Christ, if you guys can come back with anything and we can attach Yale and Stanford to it, we'll, we'll slam dunk. We'll do it. But lo and behold, they come back with it and the numbers suck. It totally fucking sucks. It totally blows up what we're trying to do. It's another... Fauci bomb, you know, like these things don't work. So what do you do? How, what play in the playbook do you look up? You start flipping through the playbook and you go, well, one of the things we do in this case that seems to be effective is we blow it up even more. We take the study, and yeah, it doesn't show anything, so we exaggerate the shit out of it. Who would say this is nail-in-the-coffin research that should have put an end to any scientific debate? Who would say that before the study is even published? Who would go to the Washington Post, the New York Times, on something that isn't even peer-reviewed, when the numbers are that bad? Hey, the reason you would do it is because you got together with your other propaganda agents, and you said, this is how we handle this thing. You don't let this thing slip out and blow up on us like another Fauci thing. You go out and you beat the drum on this. You wear this proudly. And you look at how it's how it's played out. No one references this study, either good or bad. It's a horrible study. No one references it. So I think you know, like on my show, I talk about level three. That's the level three shit. That's what I like to talk about. It's not about the study, it's about the after effect of how you put that thing out. What do you, so you were nodding when I was talking about the big lie. What, what do you think about that as a propaganda vehicle?
0: Well, I think it's, you know, definitely a used tactic, exaggerating something. I mean, you saw it with the Iraq war, you know, with the the babies and, you know, being pulled out of the incubator. And, you know, that really pulled everybody, you know, and then you saw it with the, you know, BLM movement in the, you know you know past 2 years we had you know a very good case for that same sort of thing taking a event and exaggerating it and blowing it out of proportion so it doesn't surprise me that they apply that same tactic to something like a a, a study that they don't want people to actually look at they just want people to to see the headline get excited and share it with people and that's you know the whole clickbait culture we're in right now with the media, but that serves the propagandists, that short attention span, uh, format, I guess you can call it, you know, bigger is better. And yeah, I was nodding my head because that's, I've seen that happen. You know, the bigger, the lie, the, the more likely people are to, uh, take you for telling the truth.
1: Exactly. So the way I think that, I'm totally with you on the flat earth thing. And, you know, I just talked to, to Ricky on the ripple effect, and we did a long thing on this, so I don't want to totally rehash that discussion. But I, there's a couple things that I do think it's worth highlighting, and I really want to interact with you on this and see what your opinion on it is. The one point that I would emphasize that you made is people who don't think it's a PSYOP, need to kind of pull back a little bit and really take a look at how serious people respond to you when you float flat earth out there. Because there's a different level of snickering that goes on that you're kind of closing yourself off to. You know, we both know Alex Stein and I like Alex and I know he's a friend of yours. But, you know, Alex is an intelligent guy. He wears a suit. He graduated from LSU. He's, and I mean that in a super positive way, for, for him to kind of be straight up in your face, yeah, the earth is flat, he can pull it off with a confidence and a certain panache that he has. But when he does, he is instantly dismissed by anyone who's halfway serious from a scientific standpoint. You know, I talk to a lot of scientists on my show, a lot of people with PhDs, a lot of people who've written serious books. None of those people would for a minute think there's anything serious about flat earth science. And that is the PSYOP. And that's the part that I worry that Alex doesn't get. Because the thing that the, the what, what's flat earth is doing that is positive that people uh, glom onto and and get excited about is that it's kind of a shorthand way of saying, fuck you and all your lies. Fuck you and all your lying fucking know-it-all bullshit in your face. You know what? I think the earth is flat. Prove me wrong. And in the process of proving me wrong, I'll spin you around in circles chasing your tail, and you'll look like an idiot. And yeah, I look like an idiot, but who cares? You already think I'm an idiot. That is the purpose of Flat Earth. The purpose of Flat Earth is, the positive purpose, is challenge everything. Don't call all these know-it-all bullshitters on their crap. I get that. I love that. Eddie Bravo, fucking... Right on. Who doesn't love Eddie Bravo when he, when he does his little shtick? But what we got to realize is what we're giving up on that, we're really giving up a lot. Because the whole study we just talked about, the Yale study, the masks, are they really effective? Are they lying? You can't figure that stuff out if you're a flat earther. You can't. You can't because it re- requires you to dig into science It requires you to say, okay, how many people did they study? 340,000. Okay. And they broke it into a control group. How big was the control group? How big was the effect size? What's the P value on that? Should we trust it? What were the methods? Were the methodological errors really spelled out in the beginning? Did they consult with people who had contrary results? Is this a replication? What is it? All these are good scientific things. But if you're flat earth, you throw all that out the window. Because if you are flat Earth and you're willing to go science, the thing is over in 30 seconds. I mean, it's over in 30 seconds. I mean, as one guy I heard, you know, I love this little clip. It was on Sam's show, Tinfoil Hat. And I forget the guy's name, but it was the guy who does all the Earth changes thing and he tracks them all and he's super, super smart about it. And he's just kind of sitting quietly while these guys are going off and doing the whole flat earth thing, which is entertaining, I guess, at some point. It's just frustrating for me.
0: You mean Randall Carlson?
1: No, uh, uh, it's a much younger guy. And he does, uh, I'll, I'll dig up the name. No, he, he does uh, earth changes kind of thing. He's tracking it. So here's the, the point, not to bury it too far. He goes, well, you know, Japan has a satellite that generates Images of the world every ten seconds. Oh, <laughs> he goes, any anyone can access it, and he goes. But here's the part that he goes further because you know the flat earthers again. It's 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 a crazy cult. So people in you know it's like talking to religious Jim people Lee. Just, is it Jim Lee? Is that Jim who it is? Jim Lee, yeah. So he goes. Here's the little. And again, but, but you got to get the full context. Of it. If that is his name, I can't commit to that. No, it is. He's I. Really I I booked the shows, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, 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 yeah. So he's totally, he, he like isn't getting into it. You know, he isn't engaging. You know, he's just like letting these guys go. And then finally, like reluctantly, he goes, well, you got the, you know, how do you, how do you get around the fact that. You got the Japanese satellite that's generating every 10 seconds, but then what he ties it in so beautifully, not that we need scientific proof for flat earth because it doesn't raise to that level. It's completely silly at a logical level. We don't need to break it apart like we did the study, but he does. And he says, we also have data like your local satellite data, or just like, look out the window. Is it raining where I'm at? Now look back at my Japanese satellite thing from that shows the whole world. Does it? Is it raining in New Haven? Oh, those conform. Look at the buoys. Look at all the. It all fits together. So now to the flat earther, then they can still go. Well, you know that's CGI, and they've tied it all into this, and it's as well. You know, and then you just gotta go. Well, there's a lot of people that believe a lot of crazy stuff, and you know we didn't start the mask wearing. The Muslims did. So it's like. And the Christians and uh, David Koresh, you know, convinced a lot of people that their 12-year-old daughter should be married to him because he's going to have a thousand wives and that that 12-year-old daughter ought to come into his room tonight because they're getting married. And a lot of people believe, uh, uh, otherwise smart people, believe a lot, a lot, a lot of goofy stuff. My point to get off the rant is you can't figure out the mask science if you go down the flat earth Science, you know, you just you can't get there, and and, and we don't want to get there. I want, I want to be able to pull that Yale study apart and know how it's fake. And you can't do that if you go flat Earth.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I I'm really glad you made that point, and it's, I thought it was well said because that's the the feeling I've always had. You know, as interesting as a lot of the information that gets lumped in with flat Earth is, I think the point you're making about how as soon as you say the earth is flat you lose credibility in the places where it might matter if you are actually going to make a change if you just want to you know be comfortable in your own fantasy world by all means the earth is flat to you I get that you know from your perspective if you never look at a satellite sure the earth is flat I mean yeah but if you go up on the Himalayan mountains I think you might find a, a different uh, perspective. Maybe we could see the curve from uh, a tall mountain. I don't know if anyone's ever saw that, but that's not the point. We're not going to get into the flat earth ins and outs because like you said, you know, we were, we both respect that fuck you attitude of like science is wrong. I mean, you wrote a book, sci- why science is wrong about everything. So obviously you're not, you know, a scientist telling us that the earth isn't flat, but we have to be able to participate in these debates otherwise it's the same thing as the masks where we're just divided in groups and anybody who isn't wearing a mask is not taken seriously not allowed in the grocery store it's the same thing with the flat earthers you know you group up with these folks and and you know i have friends that are flat earthers i worked on a farm uh that were they were all flat earthers on this farm great people really nice people but you know would i ask them uh, you know about that kind of stuff after i found out no because i i just realized what it was what was happening you know it was is it uh, information dump but it wasn't credible information you know it was oh my my father was a pilot and he said this and and it's like okay well there's a lot of pilots in the world i don't know you know but yeah i i I definitely don't want to ruffle any flat earthers' feathers because we appreciate you listening to the show. Uh, but, it, yeah, it's it should be said that this is clearly a PSYOP. It's a way of getting people into a camp, and then any conspiracy theory that they also are interested in doesn't get taken seriously. I mean, that's, that's kind of... And you brought up Jim Lee. It, what's funny about Jim Lee, and, you know, before I booked him on... Tinfoil. we had a, a pretty long conversation where I said, you know, I agree with, uh, you know, your thoughts on Flat Earth. Don't be afraid to uh, express those thoughts on the show. And he's like, well, you know, my thing's weather manipulation. I don't want to make it into a big debate, but I'll debate them if you want me to. And I was like, no, no, stay on topic, but definitely bring up the point about Flat Earth because I thought it was really neat how he turned his weather – weather um, model into a globe or a flat earth model depending on who is using it you can just click the button and say oh well, i want to see the weather through the flat earth model and that you know that's the kind of bridge there i think is what we need to be doing and the flat earthers need to hear that the most because they're the people who would create a model and not include the globe right we need to be more inclusive here and, and bring the flat earthers back into uh the conspiracy theorist camp, so to speak, because we're all on the same team, I think.
1: Well, I think that's super interesting. Oh, there's so many great points. And uh, again, kudos to you for that booking, that extra effort in booking, because I've dealt with enough uh, bookers, people who want to come on the show, and nobody goes like that. That's, that's awesome man, super awesome. And I think you're responsible for then why that discussion came up and the way that it did, which I thought was very effective. One other thing, though, let me go skeptical on you for a minute. Because again, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I didn't go looking for the conspiracy world when I started my show. I was, I still don't. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out who I am, why I'm here kind of thing. I was always drawn to the spiritual questions, and I just always saw science as being kind of a leg up on kind of getting a handle on this data. But there's been a change I've seen over the years, over the 10, 12, 13 years, however long I've been doing this. And that's that this, uh, it's an offshoot of the wokeness, kind of uh social justice warrior political correctness and it's this idea that uh you know I should respect your beliefs well your your personal beliefs you know I I respect your personal beliefs or if you're gay or if you're trans or if you're commie or whatever if those are your personal beliefs that's fine I believe if you if you believe them baby Jesus and plastic Jesus on the dashboard and all that, that's your personal beliefs. But if you're going to engage, if you're going to enter this forum that is the public square, you know, where you think of like the founding of of America and the town square where people got together and hammered out ideas. No, it is, it is critical that I do not respect your beliefs you can only earn my respect you don't come into it with me saying oh well this is the this is the woke shit this is the the woke shit in academia that we've been fighting which is that it's all relative you know everyone's opinion matters there is no real truth so let's just you know everyone that is just it's it's not effective. It's not an effective way of moving forward. If anything, it's an effective way of ceding control to the people who are already in control because no one can challenge them. There's no right or wrong. There's no real beliefs that matter. We should accept everyone's belief. We shouldn't ruffle anyone's feathers. If you believe in flat earth, that's okay. I'm spherically neutral. Please don't unsubscribe from my show. Fuck that shit. Please fucking unsubscribe from Skeptico if you're a flat earther, because you're going to send me weird fucking comments. You're going to waste my time and all the rest of that. If you haven't fucking figured that out, if you... I I, I get frustrated because I got in the forum who, who kind of insists that Lee Harvey Audible is a lone nun assassin and uh, 9-11 was an outside job. It's a waste of time. I don't delete those people from the forum. I just ignore everything they have to say. Because if that's what you think, I do not respect your beliefs. If you're a fundamentalist Christian, I do not respect your beliefs about that. If you're Mormon, I do not respect your beliefs. If you're Scientology, Mooney, any of the rest of that bullshit, I do not respect your beliefs. That doesn't mean in the public forum. I'm not against you having those beliefs. I'm not going to go find your house and burn it down but don't come into the public forum into an engagement of ideas and ask me to respect your beliefs. I don't know. Big rant. What do you think? No, I'm glad you make that point.
0: Cause you know, I'm, I'm born in 1994. So our generation got hit pretty heavy with that whole moral relativism that you talked about in your, your second book quite a bit, right? With, uh, Why evil matters and how this whole thing of of like, yeah, just throwing out the truth out the window and saying, well, it's all relative to your perspective. I don't think that that's true. When it comes down to how to build a fire. You know, you might, you know, you might believe that you could build a fire with water, but if, you know, if you go out into the woods and you try to express that belief, you're going to, you're going to freeze probably because you're going to be hanging out near the water and it's going to be cold. So, you know, beliefs, I totally, totally see what you're getting at. And I think I say that because I've always felt alienated for expressing what I thought was true uh despite what others felt so i know what that feels like to be kind of on the other end of like the collective in that way and i don't think that was justified in the sense that like because i am
1: contrarian that means i'm right but I Hold think on, Mark. But what did you do about it? What did you do about it, bro? I know your history. What did you do about it? You did the fucking research. Right. You went and bought the books. You've read more books than ninety percent of the people I know that have a master's degree. You, you dig. So, and that's what I did too. When people push back, I went and did the fucking research. Right. This is soft bullshit. This is if you can't bring it. This is. MMA, this is the male chest thumping. But you know what? If you just oh they don't like me, they don't dis they disagree. Well, they have their right to do that. No, fuck you. You don't have no rights. I got the, I got the goods. So outside of this debate, we can be all be friends. But inside this this debate, I got the goods. So right. that's what I like, and that's where I think you tried to go too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, I do plan on having Flat Earthers on the show to convince me. And I've been on the show with David Weiss. I know people who are in the Flat Earth camp are going to say, like, oh, well, you got to have David Weiss on. Well, I've done a show with David Weiss. I've heard him out, and I wasn't convinced. I find the, the stuff about you know, the ice wall fascinating. That doesn't mean that I'm going to go look for it, you know. And I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, you don't, you don't need to <laughs> – you don't need to be so, so soft when it comes to this stuff. Cause it matters. It matters to me. I mean, my family thinks I'm crazy because it fucking matters to me. And I try to tell them, oh, don't rely on doctors. Every time you have a little bump and bruise, uh, you know, take care of yourself and eat a better diet. And then maybe you you wouldn't feel so sick. You know, that seems to be, you know, the most, uh, relevant issue that, has come up in the past two years but my whole life I've been telling people like you know don't drink water with fluoride in it oh you're crazy they wouldn't poison uh the whole country with fluoride um okay don't you know don't you know all of the different little conspiracy theories you're right I've worked hard to and I haven't been soft about uh about being you know honest about my opinions but when you have a show there's this impression that like oh well people are listening i gotta i gotta be careful i don't want to lose my audience i'll say it too fuck if you don't if you don't like that i don't believe in flat earth stop listening to the show i don't really give a shit you know because we're not going to talk about you know ideas on this platform at least in this public forum that i don't respect I'll say that. I mean, I'll, I'll entertain, I'll have an open, uh, discourse, but I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not, if I don't agree with somebody, I'm not gonna, uh, pretend like I do, especially on my show.
1: Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's tricky, but I, I, I think it's important. Obviously you do too. It's the overriding ethos that I think we have to stay true to in what we're doing here mm. is truth, truth. So I'm wrong about a bunch of stuff. Hell, maybe I'm wrong about flat earth. I don't know. I, 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 when I'm wrong, I like, the people don't get this. I like being wrong. I like being proven wrong because you know why? I don't want to spew bullshit. So when I'm wrong, someone's corrected my bullshit. I'm not as bullshitty as I was before because they corrected me. I was wrong in Andy's show. You can go see this. This is public, but I do this all the time. I usually do it in the forum. Andy made a statement that the CDC, this is the the mask show, 523, a Skeptico with the whole mask, at some point, Andy's kind of a more right wing. I'm completely apolitical. I think all that stuff is bullshit. And he goes, hey, the CDC has come out. There's a study. 80% uh, spontaneous abortion among women who get the vaccine. It seemed like a very, very high number. So it's like people who get the women who are pregnant who get the vaccine are losing their babies. High miscarriage rate is the headline there. In in the YouTube comments, somebody comes on and says, no, I don't think that's right. Here's the data. So I started digging into it and like, I take all this stuff super seriously. So even though it's a little comment, I'm like, Hey bro, thanks for telling me, let me look into that. So I looked into it once. I looked into it to another place. I looked to do a third place. I went back to Andy and said, did you misstate this? This is all for one YouTube comment. To me, this is the only reason I do Skeptico is for little comments like that to know a little bit more than I did before. So I applaud this guy for pointing something out. You know what? Andy was wrong, but he was right the vaccine does create a a very significant risk for pregnant women, no question about it. But he's wrong about the 80%, 90%. The way they published the study obscures the data, and if you want, you can just go to YouTube, look in the comments, and you'll see where I eventually linked to somebody who really broke it down, explained why people had misinterpreted the 80 to 90%, and showed what the real number is, which is significant, but is nowhere near that. That's what the game is about to me. It's about digging in, finding some truth. Not about just entertaining each other. Yeah, we gotta entertain each other. We gotta get through the day. But let's try and get some truth out of this thing.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that's why my family thinks I'm crazy, because I care about the truth, <laughs> you know, it's, rather than rather no. than just going about my normal, you know, like everyone else is. Oh, well, you gotta get a good job and you gotta do this and you gotta have no, like our society I can't I can't live a normal life in this society because it's in opposition to the truth you know everything about this world that we're living in in my opinion is in opposition to what I find true and and worthwhile you know living uh close to nature and and understanding things on a from a higher perspective rather than just letting somebody give you the footnotes and then feeling satisfied. You know, I mean, look at the media, what, what, look at the news, how do they, you know, treat people, right? I like to look at the perspective of, of how they're, how they're speaking to us, you know, cause that's something I learned in communications class in school is like you have to, if you're going to relay a concept to someone, you have to assume that they don't know anything about what you're talking about start from the beginning and build up from there well in the media they speak to you as if you're on board with their agenda already you know and that should tell you something that there's this sort of subconscious subtlety of uh of inflection and and kind of pushing you towards their narrative and (laughs) you know i think more and more people are finding podcasting is a very refreshing, refreshing uh, departure from that Because it's overwhelming, you know, and then you watch TV and you get a whole group of people's bullshit opinions, you know, because they're a writer's room is just putting together, oh, what they think is funny or what they think is dramatic or what they think is action, you know, and and it's all with that sort of, oh, well, this is what we think people are going to like and this is what we think. This is what statistics tell us people are interested in, you know, and and it's just. It's bullshit. And I think podcasting, what's so cool is, you know, unfortunately bringing that back up. It's like if you're totally into flat earth, you can find 40 hours a week of podcasting that will reestablish that worldview for you every minute, you know, because there are that many flat earth podcasts out there to where you can go and listen to, you know, that all day and, and just be in a flat earth world, you know.
1: You know, I had to write this down because you, you, you got some zingers, man, every once in a while. When you said, that's why my family thinks I'm crazy because they don't care about the truth. <laughs> bro, bro, that is like, you got to make that your, your slogan because that, that is the other side of, of this whole thing. My family thinks I'm crazy. Everybody gets that. What they don't get is that second part, which you just laid on us is because they don't really care about the truth. Because if they cared about the truth, they wouldn't think I'm fucking crazy. Right. Right.
0: Right and they would probably have uh, a lot less free time in their week because you know a lot of people just want to <laughs> live their job and and uh, you know live through their job and and you know go home and relax and turn off, you know, turn their mind off to relax and and w- whatever that word means and just and just you know get programmed subtly through whatever programming they're watching. I mean it's just it, it upsets me to the point where now I don't watch, television or movies uh and you know if anybody around me is watching television or movies i usually have something rude to say about it but i'm nice about it. i'm gentle about it but you know it's it, that's what's going on you know and and i'm grateful for podcasts for giving me and the listeners you your listeners an avenue away from that towards the truth because that's what really matters at the end of the day like you said you do your show for that little comment where somebody says, hey, did you did you notice that this guy said this and maybe this is true instead, or even like a suggestion of an idea or a topic or a correction, all of that is welcome for this show and yours, right? I mean, that's, that's what keeps me going is seeing how many people have responded to the show. I mean, like you said towards the beginning, thank you. I appreciate that. We have been doing good, 140,000 downloads across the whole uh, podcast as of today, so another kind of milestone I guess <laughs> every every 10,000 is a milestone
1: that's fantastic congratulations
0: but yeah and you know I think that's that's the thing it's you you're trying to tell people about uh, listening to a podcast it reminds me of something that we talked about the first time you had uh, joined us here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast I said well you know what uh amateurish amateurishly ask what episode should we listen to do you have any recommendations your favorite episode uh, that you would recommend people listen to if they haven't heard of Skeptico before and he said no just go to the feed and whichever one's right for you will call to you you know something to that effect and that's my experience with this podcast is you can't recommend it to people they have to find it they will find it And, and that's that's what i'm excited about continuing to build here is those people who have the imperative who do seek this out and then come here with uh you know, I see it happening. I've been listening to No Agenda more and more with Adam Curry. You know, he he calls everybody who participates in the show as producers, right? These guys who who listen to the show and they they contribute uh, financially, support the show, but they also support the show with with content like what we did today. We had clips that we prepared. Their show, they have people who send them clips all the time, you know, and they have a a running community there of No Agenda listeners who are are participating every week. That's that's what I'm excited to do because then we'll have a, a community outside of Facebook, outside of Telegram, who maybe can act on what we were talking about in the beginning and what you really insightfully suggested people do, which is... Try it out. Take your mask off and walk into a place that has a sign that says wear a mask and and see how it feels to be uh, disobedient, you know, because from my experience, you know, I don't get off doing it. I definitely get like that fight or flight sort of uh, nervousness. But I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with this. You've wrestled. You've done football. you you play with that feeling a lot of times and in martial arts, it's the same thing. And you learn over time to take that adrenaline and to harness it and calm yourself and think clearly through that adrenaline. So, so if that's what you feel like when, when you get confronted, like I do, I would say, don't be afraid of that feeling, go sink into that and, and, and don't hurt anybody for sure. You know, keep your hands to yourself unless somebody touches you. But, Um, But definitely don't be afraid to to walk into those confrontative situations because we're going to need brave people to stand up to this BS, mask science, and all of the mandates and all of the jab mandates and everything else. I mean, that's why I stopped working for Amazon because they were, you know— Tightening that grip on us with the lasers and the the masks and the rules, and I'm just not that kind of guy i can't I can't live like that, so
1: I think that's really significant what you're what you're talking about there, and I think the adrenaline thing is you know don't you feel more free when you can handle the adrenaline rush, which is the flight or flight, which is the trigger, you know like I, I, I that's another thing that kind of is a peeve of mine when people say, oh, triggered, triggered. Hey, the thing, of course, we're all triggered all the time. The spiritual, which is what I'm all about, is to understand why you're being triggered and to not chase the trigger. Let the trigger go. Let the trigger release. But be aware of like you're saying, bro. It's like when you're stepping on the mat, when you're stepping in the ring, you, you're not going to, that, that still ain't going to go away on its own. Right. It's got to flush through your system. Right. Well, and, and you're bringing
0: up something that we were touching on before, which I'm glad you brought up again because I, I wanted to make this point of like the the relative, everything's relative, truth is relative, that fits right into the whole triggered thing and this babying, this, you know, insulation of humanity at large right now, where you're told like, oh yeah, you know, like it's just... I think you know, and I don't want to get into the whole like, red-blooded American thing because I'm I'm not that type of guy by any means. You know, I definitely love being outside in nature, uh, and being a man and and all that. But I'm not going to turn my show into the man show. You know, like I'm into talking about this stuff. But I think there's a certain uh, level where that psychology bleeds into these conversations, like you pointed out, where I was kind of saying, like, well, I don't want to ruffle any flat earthers' feathers. But you're right to call me out on that and say, no, I should be more confident and, and, and not be afraid to to stand in something I believe in and stand for something I believe in.
1: Well, I think you totally do, I, I, 100%. You know, I think the male thing is interesting, and it kind of ties back to the Joe Rogan thing. Mm. Again, a total respect for Joe Rogan. And he's he's done a lot in terms of opening up a lot of avenues that are just... We're completely blocked. Uh, at the same time, Joe, you can't say that silliness that, you know, I, Joe Rogan, Mr. Macho, Mr. Male, uh, you know, all that stuff. Well, I, I wear the mask because I don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. That has nothing to do with male. You know, like you and I relate to the the to the spiritual and to the, the mystical because it is mystical as soon as you get in the spiritual. It's the opposite of of the scientific and the materialist. None of the spiritual talks about man shit. Well, there's none of that. It's like men, women, energy. We all have that male energy, that female energy. We all have all that stuff. When people try and break us down in that way too, it's like it's another trap. Of course, men are men, and we process the world with this biology we have. But on a spiritual level, of course that's nonsense. On a reincarnation level, of course it's nonsense. You weren't always a man, you were a woman, plenty of times. So it all crumbles down. Gotta push on my buddy Joe Rogan, not my buddy, I don't know Joe Rogan, but you know, if you don't get that, if you're not leading with that, uh, which i think you are much much closer to leading with that cuz you are into the mystical then imme- immediately to me that's another red flag like you know if somebody's coming on with too much of the macho stuff it's like bro reincarnation blows it away yeah
0: no i i didn't even i didn't even think of that angle but i guess i'm really i guess yeah there's no reason to apply uh, gender to it. it really you know you're standing up for for What you believe in.
1: Well, and and let's make it clear, because I I think like the gender part that I am down with of what you're saying is your biology is processing consciousness in a particular way. And some of the ways that it's processing that is because you're a guy. And some of the reasons you go on the mat and, and went on the mat before and still have maybe a tendency to go on the mat when you go into the coffee shop <laughs> is because of your unique male <laughs> biology. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying if we're going to deal on these, this is my opinion, but if we're going to, if we're really going to be aware on a greater spiritual level, we understand that that's just kind of another role that we play, you know, it's kind of,
0: you get what I'm saying, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, something that I definitely hold true and you've had plenty of near death experiencers on your show. I I have had maybe once, once interviewed someone with a near death experience, but it resonates with me deeply. and, and I identify, I try to identify with my higher self as much as possible. And, I've never gotten anything back that seems gendered, you know, whenever you're in that realm, you know, you're, you're making a great point. It's, it's this physical realm, you know, the realm of how we're perceived, you know, on a physical level where that kind of comes into, to play the most. But I know we were talking about uh, Josephus a bit, you know, as not to take a huge left turn, but that was an interest of yours uh, some months ago, have you looked into that further and gotten any more answers on on that? Because I, I will say you inspired me to look into a lot of different uh, different segments of history that I I wouldn't have maybe without your uh, inspiration. So what came from that? I mean, you've had a couple episodes since in that realm and and looking into the. Historicity of, of Christ and and whether he was totally just a sort of larp from Josephus or not. What what are your have you found anything to corroborate that or?
1: You know uh, that's cool to, to remember that we were working on that together. That's one of the original projects we worked on, and uh, I can back up what I was saying about you, Mark, so people don't think I'm just spinning bullshit because I'm on your show, but we start talking about this stuff and I'm just going drink out of the fire hydrant, you know, uh, Josephus and, you know, the uh, Constantine and Vespasian and, you know, all these crazy guys and Joe Atwell and, you know, people who don't like, t- and boom, you're like at the bookstore. Oh, I found this. I found this. Oh, did you know, you know, you were hitting me with a whole bunch of filling in the blanks kind of stuff. So this is, for people who are listening this is who Mark Palmer is he's not he he, he 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 is engaging with as much as he can learn and he's sucking it in in order to get that so bro i i, I just think we can't go there without going all the way there the the the, the big picture is what you just described is uh I love that. It is kind of a, kind of a LARP and the evidence is really, really interesting and it's clear. And I, I, at some point I'd, I'd like to write a book on it because I think it's super important. Uh, I've done a ton of shows on it. People can come listen and you can pick out the shows that you'll see immediately. I drove people crazy because I kept talking about it again and again, but it, it, I, I don't think we can get there in the time that we have. All right.
0: Well, and then- Folks, please go over to Skeptico and uh, and check out those interviews. I have listened to a couple of them. And, yeah, Joe Atwell is an incredibly knowledgeable guy. And I love, like, what you initially talked to me about. Like, hey, this is what I see. These are the angles. This is the angle I'm taking. And, yeah, it wasn't too hard to uh, to follow up with you there and, and find some, some information. I have a couple... This book I found in Indiana about Josephus <laughs> that I found really interesting and and just yeah that that you know history in general holds a lot of uh, a lot of things that have been left out and I'm glad you brought this up. Well, I brought it up, so never mind. I'll take that back. But to back up why I brought it up, I'm going to be starting a, a sort of new thing on the Patreon where I read books that are out of uh, their copyright, because I was for a time playing around with the idea of doing something like a book review, but I don't want to run into the copyright thing of like copying people. You know, you're an author, you know, you can't just go and narrate somebody's book for them on a podcast. That's illegal. So, but there are certain books that are out of print that you know, thousands of them actually, that you can um, narrate, and I plan on narrating segments and then commentating on them. Because you could do, you know, reviews and commentary of books, but not as in depth as I'd like to go. So that's that's something I'm I'm planning on getting into uh, as it gets colder and uh, there are less opportunities to go outside <laughs> where I live.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah.
0: What about you, Alex? Anything in the in the works? New projects? New podcasts? Are you kind of hammering in on the kind of topics that we talked about today? I know you've done a lot of interviews uh, with COVID and and that sort of realm, but what else have you been uh, touching on on your show for the listeners?
1: Well, you know, I to be honest, I really haven't done a lot of stuff on uh, on COVID. I, I kind of didn't go there. My thing is science and spirituality, and I try and stay. <clears throat> Pardon me, I I try and stay true to that, but the science part every once in a while pulls me into the conspiratorial world. So, hey, I'm just, you know, like I said, like I've kind of shared the the inside scoop on Skeptico. It really is just my journey shared with other people. So I'm just trying to figure stuff out. So I kind of go with you know, where things kind of evolve and go. Although I really did want to kneel down the Josephus thing because I think, uh, you know, the, the headline for me is that your consciousness, that voice inside your head is the one thing that is undeniable. That is who you are. And the fact that science has tried to take that away from you by telling you, that's not real that's just that's just a firing off of all these chemicals and stuff like that that is such a false conspiracy and it's proven false by a number of ways like near death experience science and all this other stuff but here's the point with josephus the other people that falsified that connection that you have that little voice that has with whatever is that greater you know higher self that you're talking about that you don't need any intermediary right you do, you don't need someone to tell you oh you know mark comes back and man i was just going through the through the woods and then the light came through and all of a sudden i just had this incredible fucking feeling of love and connection and I just knew, I knew at this deepest level how I'm connected to everything. But well, wait a minute, I have this book here. Let me tell you, beautiful, Mark, that's wonderful. Now let me tell you the scripture on what that means. You don't need any intermediary. You just had the experience. Why are we, why are we conditioned to think that we need that intermediary? And back to the beliefs thing. Why are we, why do we kind of say, Well, I I, I still got to hold on to that stuff because I love my dad and I love my mom and they always believed it and grandpa and grandma always believed it too and, you know, those are great people and I grew up with them and they wouldn't, they must have, they must know something because they're all telling me that my experience in the forest that no, I shouldn't trust that. I should only trust what's in their book. So I'm going to go with them, you know, because... They're my folks. Fuck them. Fuck their beliefs. Don't respect their beliefs. Fuck you. Respect your experience in the woods with the divine.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you for saying that for me because that's how I felt for a long time. You know, like who 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 else are you gonna rely on? Then your own inner voice. You know, you can't let people tell you what's right and wrong. You have to be the judge then again, it is worthwhile to hear out people and, and maybe re- reflect on why you felt that way and shared it with that person. But at the same time, you got to be your own judge. You got to be your own critic, you know, and, and I think that's so important. And and yeah, your show, Skeptico, it's your journey. And I, I'm sure the beliefs and the thoughts you had in year one have changed a lot since and uh, and... That's awesome. You know, I think something you talked about with Ricky when you're on his show is, like, how your children kind of have, like, this record of, of like, who their dad is and, like, how, you know, their dad has progressed mentally and, like, what different thoughts he had at this point in time and this time and the next time. And that's really what... Uh, excites me about doing the podcast too. myself is because I'm like I know how how poor my memory can be sometimes so it's nice to have this all on record you know that time capsule thing and and you've been doing your show for what 13 14 years now Alex so you got a huge huge time capsule there that I really hope folks go and uh and dig into a lot of great stuff to to hear there so Alex thank you man I mean you know we've plugged your show. You've got two books. People can find those books at skeptico.com. Is there anything else that, uh, that you wanted to share with the audience before we go?
1: No, it's so cool, Mark. Cause you totally get me, man. You know, it's, it's just cool. So yeah, it's the, it's the thing you said, the, the library thing, you know, or the bookstore thing, like we've all experienced, you mm-hmm. go into the bookstore looking for one thing and you find something else that changes your life. And that's what, podcasting is about that's what your show is about that's what my show all the shows just go find you know that thing that's that was really cool the way you said that i totally endorse that
0: thank you alex well to the listeners thank you for listening to the my family think some crazy podcast and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now